Bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson, and tonight the panel includes Chris Waring and Daniel Friend. I'm going to go to you first, Chris, because the Tigers fucking won, mate. Woo! Yeah, I know. So, yeah, it's like a grand final. That's what it feels like. Fucking, you know, it's been about three months since the last one, so probably three months since the next one, so you've got to take them where they lay. Well, three months will be like, what? November or something, so they'll, they'll hopefully it'll be before then. And I've got a feeling they just might. Um, unfortunately, Friendy, they're playing against the Knights this weekend. Uh, that could be uh, a race to the bottom. How you, how's your week been apart from the Knights being perennially disappointing? Yeah, we're dog shit. Um, and my week's been all right because I've just uh, accepted that we're dog shit. So I'm enjoying the rest of the games and the rest of the teams. You did mention in the group chat that you've rarely felt as good about somebody else having a good time as Chris when uh, when the Tigers yeah. won on Saturday night. So you you are getting some uh, some joy from the Tigers. And so was I, actually. I, my bold came up. I predicted that Tigers would win the penalty count. I don't know how bold that is, but they won 5-4. So that was on the back, of course, of the Cowboys stealing that victory from the Tigers in the previous week. And if you think about how the Tigers are going, they're going okay. So good signs ahead. Let's talk about wildcard awards, though, guys, before we get into some more serious stuff, including Adam O'Brien's comments and the match review committee. Friendy, what's your wildcard award this week? My wildcard award this week is the Jack Gibson Award, and it goes to Zach Fulton, who, as Jack would have said, played hard, done good, kid. Mm-hmm. And- I, th- I thought he he's only played a handful of jersey flag games. He's, he's played no New South Wales Cup or anything. He's 19 years of age, maybe 20 now. Um, and he ripped in. He, he took on Jared Warrior Hargraves, the big dog, um, even said to him, isn't it time you retire? Um, <laughs> which I, I love a bit of lip and sledging. And, yeah, good on him. He, he did really well. And um, I think he's a first grader in the future. Yeah, I was, I was I was curious to see that he actually didn't make uh, the the seventeen, even the twenty two um, this week. He didn't make the reserve squad either for the Seagulls. I thought maybe he'd done enough to at least hold that position there. Chris, did you manage to catch any of Zach Fulton's heroics? Yeah, I was really impressed by his debut. It doesn't. It's hard to tell on TV, but it doesn't look like the biggest bloke going around. But yeah, I was really. I thought he had a, a great debut. Um, all things considering, for Manly that happened that week, yeah, I was, I was really impressed by him. Freddie, you mentioned that you have a uh, a somewhat connection with him in outside worlds. Uh, was your Facebook mutual friends were they going berserk for for your mate's debut? Yeah, there was a few um, posts and things like that, and um, they all caught up with or his family. Caught up with him in the crowd after the game, and yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty cool to see. So yeah, good on him. Well done. Well done, Zach Fulton. Chris Waring, what's your wildcard award this week? All right, so this is a bit of a, not a all too serious one, but one of our um, favourite collective gripes around the commentary around Jamal Fogarty. And, <laughs> you know, this is apparently Andrew John's, you know, second second comeback. And uh, anyway, that's good. So the scene from The Simpsons where uh, Frank Grimes is sitting in the audience uh, Homer's obviously had a child's um, presentation and Carl, in this case, is Fox Sports, is like, hey, 
what do you got against Jamal Fogarty anyway? (laughs) (laughs) Me, as Frank Grimes. Are you kidding? Does this whole planet have some disease where you can't see he's an average footballer? (laughs) And I'm just like, the Titans, and again, I'm not, Jamal Fogarty is, he's steady. He's a good player, right? But he's not more than that, you know? Like, he's a handy halfback. He's good. Got kind of plug in. Very handy, but he's not he's not making your team massively better, but he's also, you know, not the worst option going around. But the commentary is it might be petty annoyance, and it probably is, but it's just so annoying how they just treat there's bigger issues at the Titans. It, it does play a factor for sure. But I don't think he's the sole reason that they've just fallen off a fucking cliff. And you know, Canberra Canberra are at that around that eight to eleven spot. So it's not like they're going massively great guns either. Like they're going all right. And I know. Bit petty, but it just annoys me, like how he's apparently just you know this red league god when he's just a steady first grader. He is a steady first grader. I, I made comment in the group chat when on NRL NRL three sixty Buzz Rothfield said uh, the problem with the Knights and the Titans is they both let go of top line halfbacks Mitchell Pierce and Jamal Fogarty. Yeah, Friendy, is that a fair read? <laughs> oh, I don't know about the Fogarty part, but yeah, Piercey certainly. I, like. He was one of our best players when he was on the paddock week in, week out. And for such, I still argue it's probably the most important position on the field. Uh, You look at all the good sides now, they're halfbacks running the show. So, yeah, for us to let Piercy go, and I I don't really think it was a massive money issue. He was happy to take a pay cut. It was just he wanted two years and they only wanted to give him one. So, Adam O'Brien, you're an idiot. More on more on Mr. O'Brien in a second. And uh, yeah, I'm with you, Chris. I, I don't know what it is about Jamal Fogarty, but, but I will say this. The Raiders have gotten better since he's returned. So, you know, maybe it's not, not the worst fit for them. But I do take your point. They do talk him up a fair bit. My wildcard award this week is about somebody that is talked up a fair bit, but probably deserves it. It's the award for best plug for this podcast. And it goes to Nathan Cleary, who had the entire rugby league media talking about above the horizontal all weekend. Thanks, Nath. I take back anything bad ever said about you, mate. Your prize is a five-week holiday before finals because of that pretty ugly tackle, frankly. I've taken a little bit of a white spin on it, but it was an ugly, ugly tackle on Dylan Brown and uh, something that we do need to get out of the game. Guys, let's um, let's talk about the main news this week. We did mention we're going to talk about Adam O'Brien. I will just jumping in on the back of that uh, MRC stuff though, because of the of the Cleary stuff. So let's talk about that first. Oh, what a tackle! Oh, it's a penalty. Yeah, it's above the horizontal. As it happened, I was out and about on Friday evening, so I was unable to catch it as it was happening. But when I got back to the group chat, you guys have been going berserk, and most of you seem to agree. The non Penrith fans, at least, seem to agree that. Nathan Cleary had done a really, 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 really bad thing with that tackle. Friendy, is five weeks a fair punishment? Absolutely spot on, in my opinion. I thought there was a couple of angles where it looked really bad, and uh, we don't want anyone breaking their neck or yeah, any Alex McKinnon-related sort of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, no one deserves that. So I think that, yeah, uh, five weeks is spot on. Chris, comment? Yeah, I agree. I would have said anywhere between five to six, I thought was appropriate. I think, yeah, he, like, it's not the worst one you've seen, but I think it's more also the fact that the hand between the legs and often players will kind of, like, try to position away or release their hand and it's a little awkward for, but 
thing really bad about Cleary's was there was driving motion like directly into the ground, which mm-hmm. I thought was like the most egregious thing about the tackle. And yeah, like I like I, I would have said five and six. I probably would have went six, but you know it's one week. You know, what's it? There's no real major difference there. It's worth mentioning that it was a grade three uh, dangerous tackle. And then also he did have the previous um, sighting earlier this year for a dangerous tackle, which was more of a, a hip drop style thing. I think that was probably a bit of an unfair situation, more like a, an unlucky tackle, that first one. But that loading has has created a five-week penalty in this occasion. And I agree with you both. I think it's the right call. Let's talk about some other people that got suspended because the, the match review committee appears, and the judiciary, appears to be a bit of a lottery, which is something that you've mentioned before, Chris. Paddy Carrigan last night, he was referred straight to the judiciary and it's been officially noted that he has got a four-week suspension for a hip-drop tackle where he was the third person in on Tiger's lock slash halfback Jackson Hastings, which has ended his season and possibly his World Cup hopes with England. Chris, Paddy Carrigan, four weeks, is that fair? Uh, it's very hard to not look at it from a biased perspective. Um, I've tried to remove myself as much as possible from it. It's just that I don't like that the defence is, oh, well, it's not intentional. Well, like, obviously it's not intentional. Obviously he's not going into that tackle trying to break his leg. I don't, no one reasonably is accusing him of that. But that is the outcome of the tackle. And, yeah, like, it's just incredibly careless, um, you know, of the player's well-being. And I, I thought... Yeah, I don't know. It just it still seems a bit light to me given the injury impact. And I don't like the argument that you can't take injury into consideration because that that's that tackle happens because of the injury. He didn't have a broken leg before it. He has a broken leg afterwards. And that, that shows like the the discretion of and how dangerous that tackle is. And you know, you're not unless players get a significant consequence having done it, they won't even they'll realise when a, a player is in that position vulnerable like that that you know that they they shouldn't be involved um yeah i I thought it was a bit light to be honest friendly comment yeah i I tend to agree with chris i think um the injury in this case i think it certainly has to play a part in the in the suspension i'm not saying that um carrigan has to be out for five months like hastings will but it's certainly um yeah like chris said without that that particular tackle happening there's no injury there it's not like he he runs in and he's careless and he clips him in the nose or something like that this is a deliberate thing to get him to the ground and by doing that it's putting at risk the player's lower half which that's virtually unprotectable by the ball carrier um i I saw aaron booth as well come in on joe tarpanay with a cannonball i I hate that sort of stuff because the ball carrier can't protect their legs really um and i just yeah around knees and things like that um, they're carrying a lot of weight anyway, so they're those sort of knees, ankles, things like that are under a lot of pressure in the first place. And, yeah, from other players putting more pressure on it too, something's bound to go wrong. So, yeah, pretty poor from Carrigan. Jumping on the back of your comment about Aaron Booth, that's an interesting one that I had actually forgotten about, but it's it was deemed not even a penalty by the bunker mm-hmm. and not, not punishable by the match review committee because... The first contact was above the knee. Mm. Yeah, but, I, I, I don't yeah. know. That that was really bad for mine. I I'm not surprised Tarpane blew up and um and wanted to have a bit of a scuffle because, to be honest, um, 
if Booth came from, he blindsided him and he chopped him straight in the knees. It was that's just ACL waiting to happen. And when you, I heard um, Justin Horro talk about this today actually, and he was saying that it sort of goes against the player's code, things like that. Mm. Uh, and it, yeah, I, I totally agree. That that's a really bad one. I'm all for trying to square someone up and put a big shot on them, but when they're standing there stationary and they they've got their back to you and you come in and chop their knees, that's really poor in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think that's probably right. Chris, any comment on that one? Did you manage to see the Aaron Booth situation? It was basically like a, a cannonball, but not quite. Yeah, I saw it. I don't like the argument that it's above the knees because Booth comes in with quite force in that tackle where it, it literally kicks Tarpanet's legs out from under him. And like you said, it's only a chance that he's not injured. I just, you can, they've just got to get rid of where the, the ball holder, ball carrier is unsuspecting to that low tackle from behind. Because it's just, it's just injuries waiting to happen. There's, you know, it's by chance that people don't get injured. And when people do get injured, it, it causes significant injuries like we saw with, you know, Hastings, who's going to be, you know, on crutches for the best part of, you know, four to five months. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, Friendy, you mentioned that there was, you know, it's it's not tough. It's not, you know, it's not people like firing up against each other. There was a couple of examples of that as well, kind of. You mentioned Zach Fulton was aiming up at Jared Warrior Hargreaves. Well, Hargreaves, while being tackled by Fulton, uh, fairly got his elbow and forearm into Zach Fulton's skull and received mm-hmm. a fine for it, but no suspension, Friendy. Um, plus, keeping in mind that there was a, Fairly similar situation with Nelson Asofa Solomona dropping his force and weight into, uh, I think it was Wade Egan's face, and and yeah. did not get charged at all. Friendy, what's what's going on there? Yeah, I'm not too sure. I think Jared's one probably deserves a week for mine, and and I'm a an unabashed Jared fan, so uh, he he generally pushes the envelope when he's on the field, but. I thought that one was, yes, is is a dog shot, wasn't it? Um, mm-hmm. It was pretty pretty poor from Jared. Uh, I understand he's he's trying to rough up the young bloke on debut, but yeah, I don't really think he needed the the elbow to the face. The the young fella clearly got to him with his with his words, which is pretty <laughs> funny. Uh, but Nelson's one for mine was really bad. Geez, that looked bad live. Um, yeah, I thought Wade Wade Egan's face was just smashed like a dinner plate. Um, yeah. Uh, Nelson, Nelson's really lucky he didn't get more than one week. Oh, I would have thought uh, two or three, to be honest. Keeping in mind that Nelson has 20 or 30 kilos on Wade Egan as well. Like, that doesn't help the situation. Chris, you, you mentioned in the group chat that this is basically a lottery at this point, right? Where you got, like, you know, uh, last week we had Corey Waddell rubbed out for five weeks on an alleged eye gouge. Now, I'm not saying eye gouges are cool, and if it was one five weeks seems fair, but then Josh King this week, similar kind of situation, no penalty, like no no uh, suspension at least uh, for Josh King, where it was five weeks last week for Adele. We've got Nelson Asofa Solomona trying to obliterate Wade Egan's face, not getting a, a suspension at all. Uh, Maria Hargreaves gets a, a fine, which won't affect him at all. Chris, what is going on? Yeah, I don't know. This is... It's just all over the place. It's like each each incident is looked at in and of itself and not in the greater context of other sentences and other punishments, which, you know, the Solomona one is so egregious to me. Like, Wade Egan had to go collect his teeth like they were marbles, and, and this is somehow just, just a fine. Like, 
it borderline nearly assaulted him. Like it is so fucking ridiculous that that served no no penalty at like you know no game suspension time like none. He caused you know let's say he caused actual bodily harm. Mm-hmm. Right, he has to now go to a dentist and get all these all his teeth fixed fixed up, and so so some minor gets a fine. Where I agree with Friendy, the the um, where he agrees one like I kind of like it's bad, and he probably should have got a week. But it's more it's more just like grub grub shit, which I can kind of live with that. But yeah, the Sofia Salomona one is like crazy. Um, Burgess, as I'm assuming we'll, we'll touch on in a second, he gets sent off, but only gets a week, and it's just yeah, there's just it's so hard like. There's no logic to it. It's like Brad Fitness's first selections. It's so hard to follow. You, you just your head just <laughs> blows up trying to understand what the fuck's going on. <laughs> well, on top Burgess there, Chris. Uh, what do you think that deserved? I I don't I don't think it was as bad as it was initially, um, like uh, as the reaction in the game. It was it was made to seem worse due to the game situation and um, you know the heightened emotions. It, uh, on replay, I don't think it is like it is bad. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's awful. For, mm-hmm. In my opinion, I thought like the if I was doing judiciary stuff, I thought a Solomon's one was way worse than um, Burgess. Like I, I think he should get like you know one or two weeks, but I don't think, or maybe two weeks. But I don't think it was like massively egregious, like you know some of the other things we've touched on that have you know haven't received sufficient punishment or you know punishment too harshly. Friendly, the way I'm reading it is Tommy Burgess, like, you know, he makes contact with shoulders first, then head. Uh, at, you know, at worst, that's a sin bin for the rest of the season. Now, I, I understand that it's splitting hairs because it was right at the end of Golden Point where he was actually sent off, but um, didn't seem like, didn't seem send off worthy to me. No, it's like the old highway patrol cars, isn't it? They've got their KPIs for the year. We need this many sin bins, this many send-offs, and they saw the opportunity with well, stuff all minutes left in the in the game that, yeah, we, we can get a send-off here. How good's that going to look? Um, yeah, uh, that's not a send-off, please. Uh, penalty, sure. Uh, fine. Maybe, maybe a week if you've got some carryover points or something like that, but send-off, give me a break. I hear you, I hear you, and I'm not going to give you a break, though, because one thing that you wanted to bring up was Adam O'Brien's comments, which we're going to move on to next. Now, for those that aren't aware, after the night's pretty dismal performance on the weekend, um, you know, O'Brien's under some pressure. He's been there a few years now. Uh, he's had led them into finals previously, so his record's not that bad. In fact, in terms of Knights coaches, he actually stacks up pretty well against most uh, in the last you know couple of decades. So he's, he's going okay in that sense, but he is under the pressure at the moment. And he felt the need to mention the fact that he had, he had been a part of four different grand final appearances prior to signing with the Knights. Friendy, you're a Knights fan. How was how was how were those comments received? Yeah, poorly. Uh, firstly, I, I'm not just a Knights fan. Like I, I'm a dead set Knights tragic. My dog is named after Andrew Johns. Um, <laughs> I've got jerseys everywhere in the house. Like I, I literally, it, it makes my week when they win, and it really hurts my week when they don't. Uh, so lately, I've been under in a bit of pain. But the thing is with him, I understand. The everyone talks about, oh, he made the eight the last two years. But last year, he had a, a negative record. The, the win-loss record was we had more losses than wins. 
Uh, it was very lucky that we made the finals. Our for and against was in the negative. Uh, we had the worst attack in, almost in the competition, I think, uh, bar the Bulldogs. Um, our defense has since fallen off a cliff. I don't know what's happening there. And all the players that we've signed that are actually our good players, Nathan Brown actually signed. The the couple that, um, even going back to obviously Kalen, but even Jaden Braley and stuff, that was a Nathan Brown signing. Mm. So I really don't see any benefit of keeping Adam O'Brien at the club at the moment. He inherited something that it, it needed a bit of work on the roster and his job was apparently to take us from a fringe eight side to the Holy Grail and win a competition in a few years' time. And to be fair, I think he had a top six roster of the last few years and this year maybe not so much because his choice was to let our halfback and captain go, um, which has since just blown up in his face. I have seen no benefit in him staying at Newcastle anymore. Um, I think he, he needs to go and he needs to go quickly because... I've heard them talking that they're going to give us give him eight rounds or something next year. Well, that's going to waste next year too because these players are completely off him. You've got rep players there and they're not putting in for this coach. It needs to change and it needs to change now. Chris, outside looking in, um, you can hear the, the passion in, in Friendy's voice and it's probably something that's, that feels quite familiar given the Tigers' woes recently. And I can I can express the same with the Cowboys a couple of years ago, you know, with Paul Green. And it just feels like there's a, there's a point where it doesn't feel tenable. Do you feel like Adam O'Brien at the Knights is tenable, Chris? Yeah, definitely. Um, what Friendy said there definitely resonated with me in terms of, you know, the support and it makes you weak when they win and whatnot. And that's why I've had a shock in the last three months. But anyway, um, yeah, with, yeah, and look, Speaking from outside looking in, like Brett Kamali's been coach for the last couple of weeks at the Tigers, and you know I'm well versed in chaotic press conferences at this point. And that the one from O'Brien about the fucking four premierships is just like so insanely stupid, and just like does nothing to help beat the fucking you know the egomaniac and charges that you know have infamously been held against him about you know you don't know who I am and whatnot and. It just seems like a man that's out of his depth. And he I said this a couple of weeks ago. Every time they lose, he just it always seems like in his press conference he's so hyper aware of saying the line that is like, Well look, you know, the coach has no answers and he just comes in with just all this stupid shit and like like Newcastle, in my opinion, have a good roster. I was looking at the team list before um, for the game. Their forward pack, even without Clamour, is still great. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's yeah, he's just not getting, you know, the results out of them, obviously. And it just I understand like the top eight thing and that's a measure of, you know, some success and a friendly provided the context around that, but like it just it just seems so off there that I think they just need a change while there is still like promise I think they have a promising squad. I think and I think they just, the sooner they act, the better they would be, I think. I don't think O'Brien is just the answer there. Uh, I, like, I really don't. And something else that I think is, you know, an egregious thing against O'Brien is that Jake Clifford, the first, like, couple games, he was flying. He was on fire. Like, probably top half. And I know there was, like, some personal life stuff around that. But, you know, his career has just, 
at the moment just you know it's in you know it's been mostly playing reserve grade for the the largest part of the year and when your side's struggling like that i just you know if you're not rebuilding you're trying to win and i just think card pairings of adam clune and milford especially compared to like friendly alluded to how good a club player mitchell pierce was it's just some super decisions and yeah it just seems like the the player base is completely off and if i was newcastle i'd be sooner out the better in my opinion well we're a solutions based podcast so friendy if if Adam O'Brien is only poisoning the well further by staying there, or at best treading water, um, what what are what are your options? Like, do you have some good assistant coaches there that could fill the void? And and you know, are there any head coaches on the market that you'd have your eye on? Yeah, uh, Shane Flanagan is one for sure, and Brad Arthur would be the other. If um, if rumours are true, this might be his last sort of dance at Parramatta they might look at something else that can try and get them to that premiership so those two guys the things they have in common they're disciplinarians they're hard asses, and I think that's exactly what this squad needs because the boys at the moment they remind me of uh, Brisbane a couple of years ago when Gordon Tallis was saying they're losing games but they're out on the town every week thinking they're the big dogs and they're pretty entitled and things like that mm-hmm. they haven't achieved anything yet and they don't really deserve any praise at the moment the way they're playing it, it, it's pathetic uh so those two guys they wouldn't cop that crap so yeah one of those two to be honest um for all his flaws I'd, I'd probably have Flanagan in a heartbeat that's interesting um obviously the guy can coach there's no question about that he has a premiership to show for it um but yeah there there, there were some concerns there that that wouldn't bother you no we need the boys to be hit with the big ugly stick uh, and I think he can do that to this club. Very interesting. Um, well, you know, thank you for your for your passion and for your insights there. Uh, I tend to fall on the side of agreeing with both of you that I think it probably is time for Adam O'Brien. And if it's not going to be this season, like, you know, with five weeks left, I think, you know, make a clean breakthrough in the off-season and, and give somebody else a go. That, that makes some sense to me. And I noticed that you were tweeting Barry Tui trying to find out if Shane Flanagan had already purchased housing in Newcastle or not. Uh, I, I, did, did you get an answer to that question, by the way? Yeah, he's bought the whole street. No, um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know, uh, but I do really hope so because, yeah, um, we need a change and, and I think we need a, a real hard-ass. So Flanagan could be the guy. Speaking of changes, let's change gear to some phenomenal trivia. And now it's time for... Phen- Gee, I hate this word. Phenom- phenomenon. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Phenomenal trivia. Guys, I've got three questions for you. You guys know the rules. Uh, your buzzers are your names. So can I just test that, Friendy? Friendy. And Chris? Chris. Now I've got... Uh, I've got... A question that is current, a question that involves some uh, modern era history, uh, and a who am I with a tiebreaker at the end. Now, uh, the first two questions both have two answers. So, when you buzz in, give me two answers, and if you don't have both correct, the other person will get a crack at trying to get that other point, okay? Um, So, buzz in first as soon as you think you have the answers to this question, the first one. Alex Johnston has scored 22 tries to lead the league this year. Which two Queenslanders share second place currently? Friendy. Friendy. 
Jeremiah Nanai. And? And Queenslanders. Oh, this is... Oh, what's the clock saying? Ronaldo Militalo? All right. Um, You've got Jeremiah Nanai is correct. Yeah, I know the other one, I think. Chris, uh, would you like to have a stab at the other person? Yep. Um, what's the timer I've got here? 10 seconds? Not, not long enough to look it up. <laughs> no, I'll look it up. You'll hear the typing pre our conversation before. <laughs> um, okay, just give me... Yeah, all right. Um, I don't think it's correct. Corey Oates? It is yeah. correct. It is Corey Oates. So nice. I'll give you guys uh, one point each for that. So Jeremiah Nanai and Corey Oates have scored 16 tries each. Amazing from Jeremiah Nanai being a second rower. Uh, pretty great for Corey Oates and a return of form for him. And amazing how far in front Alex Johnson is. Six tries in I've, front. I've, I've got to say, friend just mentioned Queensland legend Renato Militalo. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah he's, he's a <laughs> Queensland squad member legend Ronaldo Militalo. He's got a blazer. Yeah, he's got a blazer. I'm, I'm sure he didn't have to give that back. Um, all right, uh, guys, that's one point each. Now, as I said, this next question also has two answers. Since its official since its official inception in 1986, which two players have won the Clive Churchill Medal twice? Friendy. Curious. Oh, Friendy's got that one. Brad Clyde. Yeah. And Brad Mackay. Not Brad Mackay. Bradley Clyde is correct. So there is someone else that has two Clive Churchill medals. Who is it, Chris? Clive Churchill. Oh. Oh, wait. I think I fucked. I'm thinking the wrong one, I think. Um, Cooper Cronk. Not Cooper Cronk. He has won. Billy Slater, his Melbourne teammate. So, Bradley Clyde won in 1989 and in a losing 1991. Billy Slater in 2009 and 2017 against my Cowboys. So, that means we've got Friendy on two, Chris on one. You can still level it here, Chris, with a who am I. Buzz in as soon as you think you know the answer. But if you are wrong, then the other person gets to buzz in whenever they like. Um, and then if you're both wrong, I'll open it back up. So, who am I? I was born on the 4th of February, 1993. I'm a one-club player, playing just over 200 games for the club since my debut 10 years ago. I'm a proud Indigenous Australian. And yep. Chris? Is it Alex Johnson? Oh, you can't so early, but it's not correct. <laughs> You're going to kick yourself because friend is going to round this one out. I'm pretty sure if he is patient. I'm a Can pr- I just go on. one second? Was yeah. he born in 1993? Yes. And he's played 200 games? Yes. He debuted 10 years ago. It's 29 years old. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, cool. Yep. Okay, so uh, 200 games, 1993. Oh. A proud Indigenous Australian and many of my relatives currently play in the NRL. I started my career on the wing, but had to wait until my fifth game to score a try. In 2013, I made my debut for the Indigenous All-Stars, who I've played five games for, three of them from the bench, one from fullback, one from 5 eighth. In my NRL... Oh, fuck. In my- 
in my NRL career, I've played on the Brandy. wing. Jack Whiten. It is Jack Whiten, friendy. Well Fuck. done. Congratulations. <laughs> Chris, Chris taking this like an absolute champ in the background. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. Um, yeah. The rest of the question. <laughs> the rest of the question was uh, in my... Uh, in my NRL career, I played on the wing at center at fullback and at 5'8", but never from the bench at that level. I played for my state 10 times and for Australia twice. I played my juniors at Orange, CYMS, and Bloomfield Tigers. I have won a Clive Churchill medal and a Dally M. In fact, I'm the most recent Clive Churchill winner from a losing team. I am Jack Whiten. So, well done, friendy. That's a, a phenomenal trivia victory for you, mate. Phenomenal. Well done. Congratulations. The reason I asked, and, and I probably shouldn't let the listeners know this, but um, I actually asked that he's born in 1993 and 200 games, and I'm going, shit, so he debuted at 10, 13? <laughs> I'm going, what year is it? I was like, in my head, I sounded like Grandpa Simpson. I didn't know what year it was. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not 19 Dickity 2 anymore, mate. It's, uh, it's no. 2022. So, uh, yeah, he's 29. <laughs> we got there. We got there. Well done, mate. Uh, and I'll save that tiebreaker for another time, I think. All right, guys. Let's talk about round 21 predictions, which is coming up this Thursday. The first game is the Roosters and Broncos from the SCG. There's no Lindsay Collins after that. Pretty terrible concussion. Uh, he might be out for a while. And no Paddy Carrigan for the Broncos after that suspension. The Broncos do welcome back Selwyn Cobbo, though. Friendy, who's going to win and why? I really tossed up here, guys. I, I, I'm still pretty unsure, to be honest. I, I think the Carrigan um, out has swayed me towards the Roosters. I think they have a lot to play for here, but, well, as do Brisbane, really. So I just think this will be a great game to watch, sort of a bit of a throwback to the maybe 2000 years, like mm-hmm. early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, when both clubs were really strong. So I'm really looking forward to it. The power game of the Broncos and, and the Roosters are, are pretty slick out wide. So... Yeah, I'll tip the Roosters, and I think the skipper, James Desco will have a huge game. Chris? Yeah, I was saying friendly. It's really, it's a real close one. Um, I think, I'm going Roosters. I think same thing. If Desco's Carrigan's out, that's really the only swaying factor. It is a bit of a coin flip to me. I think Brisbane will do some work around um, their defensive edges in terms of Reynolds got absolutely... You know, he needed a map last week. He didn't know where he was. Um, but I think the, the, I, I trust in the Broncos now. They've, they've earned my trust that they're, you know, they're, act, they're a quality team. I think they'll bounce back. But I'm just going to, on a coin flip, I'm just going to go Roosters. I too am going to go for the Roosters. It is a close one, though, and it should be a very exciting piece of Thursday night football. The next game is on Friday evening from Amy Park. It is the Storm and Titans. Justin Ollum is COVID, while Nick Meany has a concussion. will be out for a little bit. David Norfolk Luma makes his club debut, and Xavier Coates is in the reserves. For the Titans, Jaden Campbell is back to fullback, with Justin Holbrook finally losing patience with Toby Sexton, who has been bumped to the reserves. Tanner Boyd uh, starts at halfback after an impressive game last week, I thought. Chris, who's going to win this one and why? Uh, yeah, Melbourne. Um, I don't think it'll be pretty for the Titans. Um, yeah, I think Melbourne should win quite easily. I, I don't like that they've dropped Toby Sexton, especially when they're like, I agree with you both. Tanner Boyd did play well last week, but I just, you know, is Tanner Boyd really a long-term option at the Titans? I think Sexton, you know, he's obviously not having a great year, but I think you just got to stick by the kid, especially when, you know, you, you prioritise him over 
you know, immortal Jamal Fogarty. So I, I don't really, I don't really like that from the Titans. But yeah, um, I think Melbourne should win and win pretty easily. Yeah, well, the Titans have proven that they certainly know how to handle a promising young halfback. Just look at Ash Taylor, Friendy, uh, What do you make of this one? Yeah, well, at least Ash is rich. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be tipping Melbourne by oh, whatever you like. They'll they'll win. This could be more fifty or sixty. I reckon Melbourne by heaps. As the big E might say, Storm 59, Titans 39. Um, I'm going to go <laughs> with the Storm as well. Uh, shout out to the big E, Owen Gibson. The next game on Friday night is the Seagulls and the Eels from Four Pines Park. That's got a, Speaking of uh, Roosters and Broncos reminding you of the early 2000s, I'm hoping this one reminds me of the early 80s, Seagulls and Eels. Most of the Rainbow Seven have returned for the Seagulls, but interestingly, Josh Schuster is named in the reserves. I wonder how many Big Macs he ate and whether that upset Des Hasler or not. Uh, for the Eels, there's a, a key injury. Mitchell Moses should be out for about a month or so, uh, which means that Jake Arthur slots into the halves. Friendy, who's going to win this and why? Again, I tossed up this one uh, a few times as well. I still think Parramatta can win this game, even though Mitch Moses is not playing. But the one big factor for me that sold me was the kicking games. And, and Mitch does Major- you'd say 90% of Parramatta's kicking. Mm-hmm. And I think Daly Cherry Evans, who's kicked really well in play this year, will get Manly home. Chris? Yeah, I've gone the other way. I've gone to Parramatta. Um, just on a coin flip, really. I think, yeah, it's still yet to be seen the impacts of the Rainbow Seven, as you ele- eloquently put them, but um, yeah, Schuster out's an interesting one. I, I just think... I still believe that Parramatta can be a premiership threat or, you know, some some kind of smoky in getting there. I, I really do think they have it in them. So it's more so belief from that that I'm tipping them. They'll obviously, Mitch, uh, they'll obviously miss Mitchell Moses, but, yeah, I'll go Parramatta in a close one. I'm going to go for the Seagulls, and my reasoning is basically the same as Friendies. I think the big difference is that no Mitchell Moses just gives such an advantage to Delhi Cherry Evans and the still somehow underrated Kieran Foran. The next game on Saturday, or sorry, the first game on Saturday, rather, is the Rabbitohs and the Warriors. They're playing up the Sunshine Coast at the Sunshine Coast Stadium this time. A few ins and outs on the bench for the Rabbitohs, but let's talk about Stacey Jones, who apparently is on drugs, shifting the, his best hooker, Wade Egan, to 5'8", and dropping one of his best-performing forwards, Josh Curran, to the bench in favour of people like Jack Murchie. Chris, <laughs> who's going to win this one and why? Yeah, I don't know why you're moving Wade Egan's one of the few players that actually does his role well there at the Warriors. Um, interesting to see how South uh, bounced back from last week's Golden Point loss. I think they will bounce back. Um, I'll go South Sydney. Friendly? Yeah, South by plenty. Um, I, anyone who's picking Jack Murchie before Josh Curran has just gone mad. Um, he must have lost a bet or something. So, yeah, <laughs> South for me by a lot. That, uh, In case you couldn't tell with my preamble, yes, I think the, sh- the Rabbitohs should win this one as well. Um, especially after that close uh, loss to the Sharks, they'll be extra pumped up for this one. The next game on Saturday is the Raiders and Panthers from GIO Stadium. Bit of a, a frosty road trip for the Panthers out to Canberra. The inform Raiders look to answer the question on everybody's lips with no Cleary and no Luai. Is it no Panthers? Friendy, what do you think? 
I'll be tipping the Raiders here. Um, I just I, I can't see how Penrith play sort of the same way that they normally would. It's going to be heavily reliant on Api Corusel and Isaiah Yo. Um, I just think in recent history, these two sides have clashed a lot. It's been really niggly and dirty in the middle. I think that's right up Canberra's alley. I think Ricky will have them uh, red, ready and raring to go for this one. And yeah, I'll be tipping Canberra at home to keep their season alive. Mm. Chris? Yeah, I'm going to go Penrith. Um, so I think they've got the forward pack available. And I think um, as opposed to O'Sullivan in seven, at seven is better than O'Sullivan at six that he had to play last week. I think it'll be close, but I just don't really trust the Raiders to win the games. They really need to. Obviously, their recent record has been involved, but I just think they have it in them to um, shit the bed. <laughs> Lack of a better way to put it. So I'm, I'm going to go Penrith. I really struggle with this one. I think this is the one I struggled with the most actually this week, uh, but I have landed on the Panthers, I think. And for the very similar reasons to you, Chris, it's the, the players around the halves that I'm more interested in than the actual halves themselves. Uh, a lot of very good role players that hopefully won't need to change their roles too much to, to adjust to O'Sullivan and Jamin Salmon, who is playing at 5'8". The next game is the Sharks and Dragons. Historically, a very, very tricky affair between those two. Uh, Cade Dykes makes his NRL debut at fullback for the Sharks, and he completes just the second ever grandfather, father, and son combination playing for the same club after the Fultons managed it just last week. They were the first ones to do it, apparently. This is according to David Middleton, uh, who I'm going to trust on this one. Um, So, yeah, the Sharks, the second ones to do it with the Dykeses. Um, The Dragons only lost by 26 points last week, so they are sticking with the same team. Uh, Chris, who's going to win this one and why? Yeah, I reckon it's going to be a blowout. I reckon Sharks are going to absolutely destroy the Dragons. So I reckon Sharks by plenty. Yeah, I, I think the Sharks will win. And to be honest, they should win well. There's just no points in the Dragons. And the Sharks seem to have plenty in them. And they have good defensive resolve. And the one thing I will point out, I think there will be a few penalties this match. Because these two teams lay all over the play the ball. They're, just, they're always in the ruck being annoying as. So um, look for lots of penalties. A real stop-start game. And Sharks to win. Yeah, way way to call out Ben Hunt without actually mentioning his name. Um, that's that's he's probably for like the prime candidate there. The first Sunday game is between the Bulldogs and the Cowboys on Sunday afternoon. The Bulldogs are looking really really good. Um, they they genuinely kind of seem like a bit of like a like a top eight team almost at the moment. There and one of our friends Andy, shout out to Andy, he mentioned that he reckons it could be next year, and he's got a decent point. They're looking settled. They're looking confident. They've got a very similar lineup this week. While the Cowboys, there's no Kyle Feltz. Uh, a hamstring injury, I believe, could be out for a couple of weeks. So, Hamaso Tabuai Fido is his replacement. Friendy, who's going to win this and why? Yeah, I like the Cowboys here. Um, I just think they're, they're playing really well across the season. They've had a couple of blips on the radar, but I just think they're a much classier side than the Bulldogs at the moment. I think the Bulldogs are definitely improving. Um, and next year, they could be pushing for that top eight. Um, yeah, Gus Gould factor, hey. But um, yeah, North Queensland for me. Is Gus Gould coaching this game? Otherwise, I'll go Gus if not. But <laughs> uh, yeah, Bulldogs. Yeah, Bulldogs attack has been, I'll probably say, they're my favourite uh, neutral team to watch. Mm. Um, they play a really exciting football. It's just a matter of actually defending the points that they score, which is 
um, the issue at the moment. I'm just going to go Cowboys based off of, you know, standing and overall form. But I don't think it'll be a blowout or anything, but I, I think Cowboys in a relatively close one. It's worth mentioning, by the way, that this is a Bulldogs home game, but they're playing it at Salter Oval in Bundaberg. So big shout out to all the people at Bundy that'll be checking that one out. It's basically a Cowboys home game, which uh, which kind of eradicates any advantage the Bulldogs might have had. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys, but in a high scorer, I think. I'm kind of with you on that one, Chris. The Bulldogs have points in them. It's just a matter of... Can they score more than they leak? Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. And the last game is between the Tigers and Knights. It's at Campbelltown Stadium. Jackson Hastings is obviously the big casualty for the Tigers. They've got Fonua Pole starting. And Tom Freeban, I believe I'm saying that name correctly, is making his NRL debut at the ripe old age of like 26 or 27. He's the uh, New South Wales Cup captain for the Magpies. Bradman Best is in for the Knights, while David Clemmer has been sat for disciplinary reasons. Chris, who do you like here and why? Yeah, absolute rugby league masterclass, this one. Um, <laughs> this is exactly the type of game that the Tigers, after getting you know a jagged win against you know a top five, top four team, and then they come out the next week, they'll absolutely shit the bed. So I've seen this many times over. Saying that, I'm still going to go to Tigers um, just because Newcastle just seemed to be in a very similar hole, um, you know, all season long where, you know, just news stories just get dumber by the week. So I'm going to go Tigers probably just because, you know, I'm a fan of theirs, but I don't really think there'll be much in it. Freddie? Uh, yeah, in the friend-wearing cup, I'm going, going to be tipping the Tigers and... I think it's because Newcastle are just bad at football. <laughs> it's so funny because I was going to call it the Wearing Friend Cup, um, but, <laughs> but friend wearing works too. You, you, you beat me to it, uh, so I'll pay it. Um, it doesn't feel good having the tip um, with you two guys in this in the in the grudge match, but uh, I tend to agree with you guys. The the Knights are just they're in a hole that the Tigers were in about six weeks ago. In terms of their actual form, like the Knights have just stayed there. Uh, the Tigers seem to be on the up a little bit. Um, bit buoyed by some, you know, signing news with the coaches and some things are starting to click. So, uh, yeah, Tigers for me as well. Guys, thanks very much for those predictions, but you're not quite finished yet. We still need a bowls prediction from each of you. Friendy, I'll let you go first because your name comes first in the friend wearing cup. What is your bowl prediction? Yeah, I'm going to go the big boy to bounce back. Uh, Latrell Mitchell to score 20 points, including a double. A double. Nice. So that's going to be a, a fair old night out for the Rabbitohs against the Warriors. That could well be on at Sunshine Coast Stadium. Chris, what is your ball prediction? I'm going to go uh, Sharks to beat the Dragons by 20 or more. And Queensland legend Mulatalo and my boy Connor Tracy to score a try each. <laughs> Queensland squad legend, Ronaldo Militalo. Actually, Queensland under-19s legend, uh, Ronaldo Militalo. I'll accept that. My ball prediction, as I mentioned earlier, I think the Bulldogs and Cowboys game will be a, a big scorer. So I've got it at 50-plus points uh, for a combined total between the Bulldogs and the Cowboys. I'm thinking more like a like a 32-18, uh, like that kind of scoreline. I can see that being the case. So 50-plus points uh, between the Bulldogs and the Cowboys. Guys, Thank you very, very much for your time this week. Uh, good luck to both teams in the friend-wearing cup, um, of course. Um, and 
try not to hurt each other too much with your comments on Sunday afternoon. Uh, if we can keep it civil, that'd be fantastic. Um, Friendy, have a lovely week. Chris, you too. And to all the listeners, thanks very much for tuning in. Make sure you always go above the horizontal, but not in the way that Nathan Cleary did on the weekend. Cheers, guys. Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.